This is the new LDS organist lesson 9, hymn playing in polish mode, playing four independent lines in legato style. If possible, later in the lesson it will be best to be seated at the organ console. You should have the written materials for this lesson at your fingertips. I am Dr. Don Cook from Brigham Young University. Lesson 9 is the fourth and final lesson on how to play hymns in polish mode. You will learn how to play four independent lines in legato style with true independence of line and various ways to play hymns in four parts. Also, you will learn about making registration changes between verses of congregational hymns. If you have mastered Lesson 8, you should be able to play in polish mode at least one three-part hymn arrangement and some three-part combinations directly from the hymn book. You should be accustomed to listening for perfect legato between the tones, well-defined breaks between repeated notes and at phrase breaks, and independence of line. You should also be able to achieve good balance between the manual and pedals, and to make use of the couplers. If you have not yet mastered Lesson 8, you should do so before beginning serious work on this lesson. If your calling requires you to play several hymns and other pieces within just a few weeks, you should be studying Lessons 10 through 12 at the same time that you work carefully on Lessons 6 through 9. You may also need to play most hymns in shortcut mode, as described thoroughly in Lesson 5, for the first few weeks. Four-part hymn playing means to play all of the voice parts in a four-part hymn. Basically, there are only two practical ways for a beginning organist to do this. First, the normal arrangement. The hands play soprano, alto, and tenor on the grate, and the feet play the bass part. And second, manual only. Right hand plays soprano and alto. Left hand plays tenor and bass, both on the grate. But there are several forms in which four-part hymns often appear on paper, listed below with simplest first. On two or three staves arranged for organ with simplified left hand and or pedal. On two or three staves arranged for organ with generous tying. On three staves broken down for learning at the organ in a seven or fifteen step plan without text or on two staves, directly from the hymn book. Be reminded that when we play hymns at the organ from a standard hymn book, we are reading choral or vocal music. The absence of the curly brace, the occasional slurs where a voice takes two notes to sing a single syllable, and the presence of the text reminds us that this is not organ music. Because the organ produces tone in a very different way than the human voice, we must adapt the notes that we read in the hymn book to the organ. So that you can learn to play these hymns in polish mode sooner, this course and several other resources provide hymns arranged for organ so that you will not have to do the arranging yourself. We suggest that you rely on these arrangements as much as needed until you can play them easily in the polish mode. Let's take a look at each of the four forms mentioned a moment ago, helping you to know where to find them and how to learn them. First, those four-part arrangements written on two or three staves arranged for organ with simplified left hand or pedal. Some easy arrangements in this form appear in this course and include the subtitle Simplified for Organ in Four Parts. Now let us rejoice Hymn 3 is an example. As you listen, note the simplicity of the pedaling and fingering.
The next form is hymns written on two or three staves, arranged for organ with generous tying. Many of these were transcribed for organ by Robert Kundick and Don Cook under the title Three Stave Hymn Accompaniments. They are available either on the internet for free download or in printed form. Refer to the resource list for details and please locate the sample copy in your lesson materials. The chief benefit of this resource is its simplicity. The primary goal was to help an early level organist to play the hymns well, that is, in polish mode, as simply as possible. So ties were added generously because it is simpler for the organist to sustain a tone rather than to repeat it. Some hymns were simplified in spots, but usually the full four-part harmony has been preserved. The hymns were chosen from among those most often sung, not the simplest. But if you need a difficult hymn made simpler by adding ties and writing it out on three staves, this format may be helpful. You will need to add fingering and pedaling. Here is an example. Notice that each of these 60-plus hymns is also available on the internet in a lower key, which is particularly helpful in unison singing. Access these by clicking Transpose to Lower Keys at the top of the listing of hymns. Another useful form, especially to those learning to play in polish mode, is hymns broken down for learning at the organ in a 7- or 15-step plan without text and written on three staves. The best-known resource for this form is the book Hymn Studies for Organists by Dr. Parley L. Belknap, Professor Emeritus of Music at Brigham Young University. His book is a thorough method for hymn playing. It begins with the easiest LDS hymns broken down into 15 steps, fingering and pedaling included. All repeated notes are repeated throughout the learning process, resulting in a strict version at step 15. An added and final step is a modified version, with ties added as needed to improve the sustained character of the hymn. You must then transcribe the needed marks to the hymn book and learn to play it from the hymn book so that you can see the text as you play. After several hymns are presented in this manner, he includes several hymns without the 15 steps but with all the fingering for the strict version and adding ties for the modified versions. Eventually, even the fingering and ties are removed and creative techniques for hymn playing are presented. Another resource containing examples of the 7- and 15-step methods is the Organ Tutor Workbook by Dr. Don Cook. There is one main difference between these examples and the hymn studies approach. Ties are added at the beginning of the process rather than at the end. This eliminates the need to learn both a strict and a modified version since the 15th step becomes, in effect, the modified version. 
The last of the four forms in which hymns commonly appear is that written on two staves, played directly from the hymn book. Ideally, this is the form you will want to use after you have developed your ability to play in polish mode. Locate the example of the hymn in the written materials titled Redeemer of Israel, Example of Fully Prepared Score. Notice that phrasing, fingering and pedaling, ties, and a registrational plan have all been added directly in the score. After months or years of serving as an organist, you should have many hymns marked up in a manner similar to this. Most organists prefer large print hymn books because of the increased space available to add these marks. As you build your library of marked hymns, one other resource can be particularly helpful. Hymns from the LDS hymnal marked for the organ by Carol Dean. See the handout which is a sample from that resource. The author, who earned a master's degree in organ from Brigham Young University, has prepared the score for most every hymn in the LDS hymn book with phrasing, fingering, pedaling, and ties. She had the early level organist in mind as she prepared the volume. The advantages are many and obvious. On the other hand, the fingering and pedaling may not work for every hand, and you should feel free to change them as needed. Also, you should feel free to change the treatment of the text and the repeated notes if you wish. No matter which format from which you will learn and play the four-part hymns, your final rendition should be complete. Complete means several things. First, the meaning of the text is reflected in your playing. Next, the repeated notes are treated appropriately. Next, your fingering and pedaling contribute to good legato, where appropriate, well-defined breaks, and independence of line. Next, you have followed whatever method was necessary to learn the hymn in polish mode. And finally, your registrational plan reflects the meaning and phrasing of the text and the spirit of the music. With every hymn and piece that you learn in polish mode, the next one will become a little easier to play with all this in order. The ultimate goal, and a reachable one, would be to sight-read in this manner. Alas, until you arrive at that level, here is a three-stage plan for learning hymns and other pieces from start to finish. The order of these stages is important if you want to learn the hymn only once and avoid backtracking. Because this is such an important outline, it is also given for you in written form as part of this lesson. Take out three-stage plan for learning hymns or other four-part pieces and follow along. You may also want to see Redeemer of Israel, example of fully prepared score. The first stage, prepare the score. Do your best to sight read through the hymn or piece. This will help reveal some of the obstacles to overcome, such as notes, rhythm, fingering, legato, or independence. 1. Deal first with the text, if you are learning a hymn. Understand the meaning. Note the spirit of the hymn text in general, and then underline a key word in each verse. Also, mark phrasing in the text. For each verse, mark a comma, verse number, or vertical line in places where a break would help to clarify the meaning. Where the text is clarified by not breaking, you might add a slur as a reminder. Even though the congregation may breathe at such points, you can really draw attention to the message of the hymn in this way. 2. Under Prepare the Score Deal with the repeated notes, only if you are learning a sustained style hymn directly from the hymn book. If inserting a break between all repeated notes results in a choppy effect, add ties as needed. This procedure will be explained in a later lesson 
and is not necessary when an editor has already arranged the hymn for organ playing, as in the arrangements that come with this course, the three-stave hymn accompaniments, and others. 3. Under Prepare the Score Divide the hymn or piece into sections. If you did rather well at sight reading, the sections can be larger, four to eight measures. If your sight reading was far from the mark, make the sections smaller, one to two measures. Four under prepare the score. Add fingering and pedaling. This is a must, unless you can sight read it very well. Planning and learning efficient fingering and pedaling helps in two very important ways. First, security. You will be able to play more accurately and with greater confidence. Second, retention. You'll be able to bring it back with reduced effort for the rest of your life. You do not need to mark fingering or pedaling for every note. Instead, mark key places where a new pattern begins, where a skip occurs, a crossing, substitution, glissando, or any unnatural action must occur. Make just enough marks that you can play the passage the same way every time. Mark fingering and pedaling for the whole piece or just a few sections at a time as you prefer. This investment in time will save practice time, will lead to smooth playing, and will etch the patterns permanently into your memory. Now the second stage. Learn each section. For each section, go through whatever practice method you need to learn it to perfection. The 15-step method, the 7-step method, or a method that is customized to your abilities. The 15- and 7-step methods will be described in detail in a few moments. The third stage, review and combine the sections. Continue practicing previously learned sections each day, always practicing slowly enough to stay in control. Each time you learn one, leave it and learn it again, as long as you are playing with great control, you will be driving reflex-like habits deeper into your subconscious mind. It is the subconscious recall of those many physical reflexes that you will rely on as you perform hymns and pieces. Begin combining the sections into larger and larger sections as they become easier until you can play the entire hymn. As you put the sections together, devise and begin practicing a registrational plan that reflects the meaning of the text and the spirit of the music and that supports and encourages the congregation. For the second stage, learn each section, you can choose between two common approaches, the 15-step method or the 7-step method. For the more challenging pieces, use the 15-step method in which each of the four voices is learned by itself. They are then combined in all two-part combinations, followed by the three-part combinations, and finally all four parts. At first this may seem more tedious and time-consuming than other methods, but in the early stages of organ playing it offers the best chance of learning the pieces with good legato, releases, and independence the first time. So it actually saves time by avoiding the difficult task of correcting errors that may have been practiced and learned. Here is a breakdown of the 15-step method. Practice each of these 15 steps in one section of the piece at a time. Single voices first, soprano, alto, tenor, and then bass. All two-part combinations next. Bass and tenor, bass and alto, bass and soprano, soprano and tenor, soprano and alto, and alto and tenor. 
Now the three-part combinations. Soprano alto tenor, soprano alto bass, soprano tenor bass, and alto tenor bass. Finally, all four voices together, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. You must apply the most important key to effective practice at every stage. Always practice slowly enough to stay in control. More detail of how to go through each step is given in Lesson 8, where the three-stage procedure is explained. But, in a nutshell, it is this. For each step, first, practice slowly and perfectly until you can play it three to five times perfectly without much conscious effort. Next, slightly increase tempo by two to four beats per minute, practicing until you can play it three to five times perfectly without much effort. Repeat this step until you arrive at a goal tempo for that step. Eventually, with practice, you will feel less of a need to go through all 15 steps. In fact, if you are able to learn the right-hand part, including the soprano and most notes of the alto line, in a single step, you can reduce the number of steps from 15 to 7. Right hand, left hand, pedal, pedal and left, pedal and right, right and left, and finally right, left, and pedal. It is that simple. The 15-step method deals with each of the four voice parts in all their 15 combinations, while the 7-step method deals with each of the three units or playing parts, right hand, left hand, and feet, in all their seven combinations. You should choose the method that best fits your needs for the piece. The easier the piece, the more likely it will be that the seven steps will be enough. No matter which method you choose, it will only be as effective as your ability to listen for and achieve the three main qualities of polished playing. Perfect legato between the tones, well-defined breaks between repeated notes and at phrase breaks, and independence of line. This means that even if you have chosen the seven-step method, occasionally you may need to revert to practicing single voices. When working in polish mode, always listen carefully taking whatever time might be needed to achieve these qualities in each of the four voice parts. Rather than giving you examples to play for this lesson, I'm going to help you learn how to listen for these three qualities in four-part hymns. Take out hymn three, Now Let Us Rejoice, from the simplified hymn arrangements that come with this course. I will first identify the specific section that will be played, and then I will play it twice, once with an error, and a second time without the error. You try to identify the exact error and the part in which it occurs as you listen. Feel free to listen more than once if you need. Here is a list of the four possible errors that I will make, all of which could be caused by problems with independence of line. A break where it should be legato or tied. A tie where there should be a break. A legato connection where there should be a break. Or a flinch where there should be a well-defined break. There will be seven examples. Example one, the first two measures. The error was a break in the soprano and tenor parts over the first bar line where it should be legato. These breaks were brought on by the legitimate light breaks in the alto and bass parts. The soprano and tenor should be legato heavy, 
against the alto and bass, which should be broken, light. Example 2. The words, Joyce in the Day. The errors were flinches on the words in the, in the soprano and tenor, where there should be a well-defined break. The flinches were brought on by the sustained heavy alto and bass parts. The upper part of the right hand and the left hand should feel light, resulting in a well-defined break between the repeated notes. The right thumb and the feet should feel heavy at that moment. Example 3. The same words, Joyce in the day. The error was a break in the soprano part between the words the day, where it should be legato. The break was brought on by breaks, light, in all the other three parts. Even though the repeated notes in the other part should break over the bar line, the moving soprano part needs to keep the perfect, heavy legato. Example 4. The words, Earth Need We Roam. The errors were ties between repeated notes in the tenor part between the words, Earth Need We Roam, where they should have been broken. The ties were brought on by the sustained pedal note. The left hand and pedal parts are often more difficult to keep independent than right and left, or right and pedal. Even though the pedal part is sustained, heavy, the repeated notes in the left hand should be clearly broken. Example 5. The words, Of Redemption Will Come, when all. The error was a flinch in all parts at the phrase break between the words come and when, where all parts should break at the end of the textual and musical phrase. The flinch was brought on by the lack of commitment to the phrase break, and also possibly by a confusion over the break in the pedal against the moving upper parts. The solution is simple. Mark phrase breaks before ever starting practice, which is the first step in preparing the score. Example 6, the words, No longer as strangers on. This one will be more subtle, so listen carefully. The error was a break in the alto part over both bar lines where it should be legato, brought on by the legitimate light breaks in the soprano and or tenor parts. The alto and bass part should be legato, heavy, against the soprano and tenor, which should be broken, light. Finally, example 7, the words, shortly the hour. The error was a tie between repeated notes in the tenor part over the bar line where it should be broken. The tie was brought on by the sustained pedal note. Even though the pedal part is sustained, heavy, the repeated note in the left hand should be clearly broken, especially over the bar line. We now shift gears into an organ registration topic directly related to hymn playing, making registration changes between verses. Refer to the page titled hymn registration shortcuts for this portion of the lesson.
If possible, it will be best now to be seated at the organ console. You learned in Lesson 5 how to set up basic registrational combinations for both meditative and jubilant hymns. Here is a quick review of that lesson along with a verbal walkthrough of the hymn registration shortcuts, which you should have in front of you. As I describe these stop combinations, find and engage them also on your organ, stopping the lesson if you need more time. Begin by setting any expression pedals, not the crescendo pedal, fully opened unless the organ is too loud for the room. In that case you may need to partially close the expression pedals. For meditative hymns, start with principles 8 and 4 on the grate and principles 16 and 8, or principles 16 and grate to pedal, in the pedal. Try playing a few bars of a meditative hymn on the grate with this stop combination. For jubilant hymns, start with principles 8, 4, and 2 on the grate, and principles 16, 8, and 4, or principles 16 and grate to pedal, in the pedal. If there is no principle 16 in the pedal, use the main 16-foot flu, such as sub-bass, borden, or gedecked, which are flutes. Now try playing a few bars of a jubilant hymn on the grate with this stop combination. These basic suggestions reflect standard practice in congregational hymn accompaniment, but may need to be modified for your particular situation. If the principal stops are too loud for the room, then try replacing them with flutes and or hybrids at one or more of the pitch levels, usually four foot and two foot. If the congregation is not accustomed to registration changes within a hymn, then make your changes few and subtle at first. If no one has heard a chorus mixture or trompet from the organ, use them sparingly and only on the most jubilant hymns at first, until you feel that they will make a positive contribution to the spirit of the meeting. While it is both possible and common for organists to play an entire hymn with no change of registration, there are at least two very good reasons for changing the registration once or twice. First, simply for variety. Changing the registration simply adds interest and helps the congregation keep their attention on the hymn singing experience. Second, and more importantly, to reflect the meaning in the text. Many hymn texts have some form of contrast in one of the verses. This is usually a middle verse. Look, for example, at hymn 174, while of these emblems we partake, and engage these stops on your organ as I describe them in the lesson. Verses 2 and 3 speak of the death of Jesus, and verse 4 speaks of his triumphant resurrection. Use a stop combination that reflects this changing spirit from verse to verse to help draw attention to the messages in the hymn. So, we might begin this hymn with a swell chorus of eight, four, and light two-foot stops, swell to great, and great principles eight and four, as described on the handout. At the end of verse one or two, play both of the last manual notes by one hand or the other and prepare the other hand to retire swell to great. As soon as the notes release, take off swell to great and return quickly for the beginning of the new verse. This quick return takes practice, but is well worth the effort. At the end of verse three, Return to triumph by engaging swell to great as at first. In this example, I will play from the end of verse 1 into verse 2, and then from the end of verse 3 into verse 4, using the changes just described.
Now you try playing the manual part of this hymn through as well as you can with these same registration changes. Verse 1, swell, flutes 8, 4, and 2, swell to great, and great, principles 8 and 4. For verse 2, take off, swell to great. For verse 4, add swell to great. Stop the lesson while you practice playing and making these changes. An organist who plans and executes a good registrational plan in this manner, along with good textual phrasing, plays an active role in teaching the gospel by drawing attention to the messages in the hymn. However, many hymn texts have little or no contrast between verses. In this case, begin with a combination that reflects the general mood of the hymn. Hymn 5, High on the Mountaintop, for example, is intended to be sung and played resolutely. All four verses share this resolute character, so we would change registration between verses simply to add interest. Most organists typically use two common patterns in this situation. One, begin strongly to embolden the singers, reduce the organ's volume for one or more of the internal verses, and return to a stronger combination for the last verse or verses. This was the pattern that we used earlier in hymn 174. Or, two, begin supportively but with room to grow and build gently in one or more verses. Let's register hymn 5 using each of these patterns. Take out the simplified version of that hymn and the handout Hymn Registration Shortcuts. Before beginning the hymn, engage the basic registration for jubilant hymns as given in the handout, Principles 8, 4, and 2 on the great, and in the pedal, Principles 16 and great to pedal. Listen to this sound and then try it on your organ. At the end of verse 1 or 2, take off the two-foot principle and then bring it back on for verse 4. Stop the lesson and try it. If you want to involve the chorus mixture instead, use this same procedure but begin with principles 8, 4, 2, and mixture. Retire the mixture after verse 1 or 2 and bring it back for verse 4. Stop the lesson and try it. Now for the second pattern, the build-up. Use the same basic registration for jubilant hymns, principles 8, 4, and 2 on the great, and in the pedal, principles 16 and great to pedal. Play verses 1 and 2 in this manner. At the end of verse 2, add the great mixture. At the end of verse 3, add a chorus reed, such as the trompet 8. If there is no chorus reed on the great, prepare the swell trompet 8 before beginning the hymn and pull swell to great for verse 4. All of the registration changes demonstrated so far in this lesson involved only one stop at a time. It is possible to make simple changes like this by hand. It involves three steps. 1. Get free. During the long note just before the change, play all three notes by a single hand if possible and prepare the free hand at the stop to be added or taken off. 2. Make the change. In the break after the release, not before, make the registration change. 3. Pre-locate and play. After making the change, quickly prepare the free hand over the keys to be played next. This last step, 
preparing the hand over the next keys to be played, is especially deserving of careful practice. Making registration changes by hand is a skill that is required of all organists. However, it may be safer and more efficient to use the organ's combination action. The parts of the combination action were described in detail near the end of Lesson 1. If you've forgotten about setters, general combination pistons, memory levels, or how to set a combination piston, you may need to review that lesson. To make a change using the combination action, simply add two steps before the three described earlier. 1. Plan and set combinations. Set the beginning combination on a general combination piston and write the number in a circle at the top of the page. Set the combination for the first change on another general combination piston and write the number in a circle at the end of the verse where the change should occur. Continue this process for all changes. Write the stops used for each combination down if needed. Stop the lesson for a moment and set principles 8, 4, and 2 on the grate on general combination piston 1 and add the chorus mixture on general combination piston 2. Step 2. Double check combinations. Just before the service, check each of your combinations to be sure that they have not been changed by someone. Stop now and check your two combination pistons. Step 3. Get free. Get free as described earlier, but prepare your thumb over the piston instead of the stop to be changed. Step 4. Make the change. In the break, Make the change by pressing the piston. Step 5. Pre-locate and play. Do this exactly as described earlier. Stop the lesson now, play the last few bars of a jubilant hymn on piston 1, then get free, and at the end of the verse, make the change to piston 2, and pre-locate and play the beginning of the next verse. All these registration changes should be executed quickly and seamlessly, or not at all. Play all notes of the last chord with one hand, and pre-locate the other hand over the stop or piston. Make the change in the silent moment, that is, after, not before the keys are released, and return quickly with both hands to the first notes of the next verse. Here is what you do not want to hear. A chirp. taking too long to make the change. Or leaving out notes and a frantic return. In summary, this has been the new LDS organist, Lesson 9, him playing in polish mode, playing four independent lines in legato style. It was the last of four lessons intended for those wanting to learn how to prepare hymns and pieces in polish mode. Make sure that you understand each of these topics and review them if needed. You were introduced to four forms in which four-part hymns appear on paper, and each one was described and demonstrated in some detail. 
A three-stage approach to learning four-part hymns and pieces was then described in detail. Finally, you learned about making registration changes in both jubilant and meditative hymns. Follow up with this lesson by learning to play one or more four-part hymns or arrangements. Using the three-stage approach described in this lesson, continue to listen with care for perfect legato between the tones, well-defined breaks between repeated notes and at phrase breaks, and especially independence of line. If possible, play it for a trained organist or other musician who can help you listen for these qualities. Also, plan registration changes for both meditative and jubilant hymns, and then practice making these changes quickly and seamlessly. If you have not already done so, study Lesson 10 next, Hymn Playing, Deciding When to Tie Repeated Notes. You will learn how to deal with repeated notes in both shortcut and polish mode. Also, using the organ's expression pedals will be discussed. Happy practicing!